Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello and welcome to Fire in the Belly. Today we have myself, Mighty Pete, and we're joined by the Annie Rich. Good afternoon. Good morning to you. Good afternoon. Good evening from me. Yeah, good evening and good night. That's what it's all about. So listen, beautiful to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to this conversation. So Annie, give us a bit of a, an overview. Who are you and what do you do and where are you from? First of all, thank you so much for having me and for sharing your presence and your time. Second of all, thank you to the audience who just turned this episode on and are going to be with us for how, how long, however long this conversation will be. So I am Annie Rich. I am a life coach. All these roles, but I usually I love to say I am me, but we need this role. So I'm a life coach. I'm a mother, a wife, a yoga teacher. I also have my own podcast. I have written a book. So that's the roles I go by for the people who are wondering what I do. So give us a shout out on the podcast and give us a shout out on the on the book title. The name of the podcast is Intuitively Rich because I'm an intuitive person. So Intuitively Rich and my last name is Rich. So it makes sense. And the book name is Back to Yourself. Mm-hmm. So tell me, t- talk to us about the podcast. What's it about and what was your intention? My first it's the intention has changed but my first intention was because english is my second language and i was much better writer than i was a talker i still feel the same way so i thought you know what it was covid has just started so so i thought i'm gonna start my podcast and i'm gonna get better at talking about the topics that i write and that was the intention that i started and then I got inspired and it evolved and I started to interview the people around me who I find inspiring. And then I mean, just getting and connecting and having conversation to like literal coaches. And I sometimes joke that I have free coaching sessions every single day because that's how it feels. And that's how just it evolved. And my intention now it's, I feel we are listening to so many people today, but not our intuition. And I feel and believe that our intuition is the best guide for us. So I would love to see more people connecting to their intuition and living intuitively. What do you describe intuition there as a feeling, is it? Or is it something, do you actually see things or what, what way does intuition arrive with you? For everyone, it, for some people call it gut feeling. For me, it's a feeling sometimes. When I hear the truth, I have chills going up and down in my body. And also, I can never know sometimes if it's an intuition or it's a thought, but when it is the intuition, it's just knowing. It just, I know, it's just powerful knowing that this is true. I have to do this. And that's how people feel about their gut feeling, about the knowing that this is something they should do or say. That's just how it is for me as well. Mm. Mm. Oh, super powerful. And then really with the, you know, with your book, 
you know, what was your intention there? So, I mean, when you talk about back to yourself and, and it's interesting, I mean, is this obviously connected then to your intuition and getting back to yourself? Is that a fair summary? For sure. And also interesting thing, how life works. When I decided to write a book, the outline I was, I took a mommy trip alone. I went to Miami and on the plane, I wrote the outline and the what the book turned out to be and what I thought I was going to write about are two completely different stuff. Like it's just completely different things. And it just evolved as I was writing and out of nowhere, literally from presence, the words came into me and I was like, did I vote this? Like, how do I know all this stuff? Because you don't consciously know before you, after only you write down, you see what you know. And from presence, all these beautiful things. And this book, I just love this book because for me, I feel, and as I got feedback, that it just helps you to find a way or just uncover yourself a little more. Because obviously we have to do a lot of work to fully uncover ourselves and we might never fully uncover, maybe until we die. But it just helps you to uncover it a little bit and just remove some layers, conditioning, beliefs, whatever is not serving you. That's, uh, that's a beautiful way of putting it. It's that, as you say, it's that, that sort of finding yourself. But I was interested in what you were saying about almost you need to sort of write down those words or those thoughts to actually mm. to be and then be able to see them properly. Yes. You know, is, do you just yes. feel that we can't see it inside ourselves? It has to come out to be mm-hmm. able to be reflected. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Sometimes I have said something to my husband and I'm like, okay, no, no, no. The moment I said it, it just sounded so much better in my mind. We all had those moments of, oh my God, this feels like almost stupid when I say it out loud, but it just always sounds better in our mind. And that's how our problems and pain actually is. It just sounds more real mm-hmm. when it's in our mind. We all had moments when our friend does, they are telling us, about their struggles and maybe we're saying out loud or in our mind we're like oh my god like that is nothing why are you even nervous about that because we are detached from their pain and it's easy for us to see things as they are and when we are going through things we are in our mind so we don't see things as they are we see them way worse than as what actually it is so when we write it down and we say it out loud we can try to detach from it and almost look at it from a different angle. And then you see that the problem you think was a huge, painful, suffering, I don't know, like challenge. It's actually, you won't even remember it in like five days or an hour. So it just helps you to detach and also see how power, powerful you are and what you actually know. What's your superpower? Do you know? Feeling people, I would say that I can... And as I got feedback also, because I was not believing in myself. One time, one of my friends who did yoga teacher training told me that we were at the same age. And she said something like, I wish when it will be my time to be like half as cook, half as mother and half as wife as you are. And I was like, she's crazy. She doesn't know me because I was so focused on the side of me that I wanted to change and on the unlovable things. I never believed before why people liked me or loved me and then as I shed the skin almost I saw that actually yes I truly care about people and I it's feeling people or you can call it like truly deeply caring about people 
for me, that's really connected. So that I would say that's my superpower. I really care deeply about people and what they are going through. Do you, are you able then to sense or to pick up in terms of is it like incongruity or happiness or sadness or is it the energy side or what are you feeling? If mm. you explain it, I know words are quite difficult for this. Yes. I don't actually experience whatever they are experiencing. Somehow, maybe I learned this. It was innate. I don't know when this happened, but I can have compassion for them, but still be detached from their pain. And because I am detached from their pain, I can create the safe space for them to then, it's about them and not me. Because we all had moments when we are saying something to our friend and they get so emotional. They, we have to calm them down. So for some reason, maybe I don't know when this happened or it was, as I said, in me, I can just create safe space for them, still be with them, give them full presence, but not make it about myself and not experience the same feelings, if it makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. It does. I mean, I, do you think a lot of people have this or do you think it's it's something mm. that you just noticed in yourself more? I Even I didn't have this to this extent. And the more I create space for myself the less i spend time with my phone the less distracted i am the more i can create space i think when we give people presence that's what makes them feel loved and seen when you are fully with them give them presence without like you having any agenda and it's very challenging it takes practice to detach from sometimes my husband might say something to me and I can feel energy rushing into me because I am making it about myself. And I'm like, no, you're lying. That's not how you usually are. But it's the thoughts into my mind. I have to like breathe. It's not about you. It's about him. But I think you learn. And the more you practice active listening, the better you get. And for you, is it a practice? I mean, it's something you almost have to observe or actually ask yourself, am I listening here? Am I, you know, am I getting egoically involved? I mean, is it mm. something that sounds like you almost have to just remind mm -hmm. yourself? Yes, it is a feeling. The more you practice being present and the more you practice catching yourself and catching your thoughts, you just don't need to have a thought about catching yourself, having this certain thought. It's just more automatic and the just the information gets around more easily to your brain and whatever you are feeling. So uh, it's like meditation. When you are meditating and your mind starts to wander around, you just bring yourself back. And I am a human too. Sometimes I'm having a conversation with my guest and for a second I catch my mind. Just maybe I'm thinking about something else. I have to like bring my mind back. So I'm actively working on it. If I catch that uh, I got angry about something, I'm like, it just gets quicker. The process gets quicker. Why did I got angry? Oh, because of this, because my grandmother used to say something because I feel not enough because I woke up sad today and this person is saying something that makes me more like even sadder. And it just like gets quicker and quicker. The more you practice catching your thoughts and becoming aware of yourself. And are you able to self-reflect or do you, do you need to sort of bounce off people? I mean, so I know some people can sort of almost, as you say, whether it's writing it down, whether it's journaling, whether it's talking out loud, whether it's, you know, we all have different methods, right? But I mean, what, what do you find works for you in terms of if you're trying to sort of maybe explore why a certain yeah. feeling is triggering you or whatever? Creating space. If I have created, I have the days when I have done yoga, cold shower, workout, meditated, and I still got angry because my day was too busy for me. And we all have the busyness. I don't know what's busy for me might be very slow for you. So I know it's my limit. 
if I have created space that day and I'm going slower and I'm not like rushing myself or being not in the moment for too long, then that's what helps me be aware of myself the most. Because as I said, I have done all the like Qigong and everything and I still have been very angry. So what I noticed is if I haven't created the space I need, no tool works for me if I don't work. And what, where is your then your your zone of genius for you? I mean, what what does that look like when you're in your flow state? I love to be alone a lot, mm-hmm. as much as possible, because I have a toddler, I have a husband, and I love when he's in preschool. I love love when he's in preschool, and I love to have time for myself. Yeah. And a lot of moms feel shame to say that we are not born to be with our kids. There, I haven't met, but I'm pretty sure there is a mother who feels joyful and like really fulfilled just by being with their children and doing nothing else 24-7. I have not met one woman that have said that we all need our own space. And we are not here to just raise kids and be housewives. We can do all of these things, but also do what fulfills us. So I need to be alone. It's literally a need. And I had to accept that because before I was like, no, but not people around me didn't do that much time to be alone. So I need to have my space. I need to uh, spend time with myself, be slow, just like skip and smell the cup of tea and listen to the birds sound. And I need to just create space. So for me, when I'm being alone, that's when I am my most creative self. Mm. And your form of creating, is it, I mean, you, you talk about, you know, sort of your love of words, your, your, for writing is, mm. would that be your preferred state is to, to create through mm. writing or is it through talking? What, what now works best for you? I think writing works for me, recording video, like painting. I'm not a great painter, but as an outlet, as a creative outlet, I love it. Just create some music try to learn something on piano, dance like nobody's watching, doing a workout that fulfills me. I have a lot of hobbies or tools. I love going, it's called a firearm. Like gun, shooting gun, Mm -hmm. firearm. Yes, like I have a lot of things that I enjoy doing. So I don't have any one particular thing that is my creative outlet. I would say I have a few of them that I just mentioned. What does shooting do for you? Oh my God, I feel like a badass woman. I feel like, you know, like, I don't know, I'm in the movie of like superheroes and I'm like, I feel powerful. Hmm. Hmm. It's almost like nurturing. We all, men, women, we all have the different, I have a nurturing side of me, a mother in me, a wife in me, and I also have this badass in me. And it feels like it is nurturing that side. That feels very powerful. Hmm. How how do you? I mean, that's that's awesome. I mean, those you know, do you call that a role, or do you think that's just different parts of you, which they all they all have to be alive, mm. they all get to be alive, right? Or is it a role yes. that you choose to play? I think it's innate in me because obviously we can choose to play some roles, and we all play roles to some extent. We all sometimes I want to scream at my child, and I'm like. And I'm like pretending. I'm, the question I ask myself is like, how would a great mother 
what would the great mother say or how would the great mother treat their child in this situation? And it helps. And it's almost like a role playing of playing this calm, patient mom. And then I become that person. But for me, it feels like that is, those are parts of me, which if I don't nourish most of them, I can feel very disconnected from myself. And then we all know what it leads to disconnection with everyone else and with nature and everything outside of us. Mm. Uh, has this has this always been the way for you? That sort of connection, that ability to recognize yourself. Have you always felt that, or is it something you've had to work on and to grow? To for it to become conscious, I had to work because there was a time when I had no conscious awareness of my thoughts. I had thoughts, but I wasn't aware of my thoughts. And there was just one moment when I was pregnant. I was complaining a lot before. I'm not complaining now anymore. <laughs> I was complaining a lot. And my husband was just not in a bad way, actually. He said, like, you're always complaining about something. I, I was always searching. I was like, if I'm going to move there, then I will be happy. Always thinking that somewhere else is the happiness. And I actually, I remember the feeling of the energy rush. And I didn't argue with him. I was like, actually, he's right. I'm always saying that when I'm going to get that or when I'm going to give birth, then, then I will be happy. And that's when I had the first realization. Obviously, it took a lot of time for this realization to just take a root and for me to start working on myself. But that's when I started to become aware of myself and my actions. So before I was not this way, I always had some sort of connection with myself and I always loved listening to the people, but not to this extent. Mm. Well, it's fascinating. I mean, for you to learn and, and to, to get yourself, I mean, do you find, do other people get you or do you have to explain yourself sometimes? In what way? Well, I mean, do, do you tend to find, because I, I sort of find for a lot of people, especially when they've, they've learned about themselves and they've been on this journey, well, some people will then get that and almost track and mm -hmm. be able to to understand that journey. Whereas uh, for other people, it's kind of, they just get blank looks and they, they find that people mm -hmm. don't know what they're talking about or they have to explain themselves mm -hmm. or, you know, does that make sense? It makes complete sense. And I don't know what is it about me, but I believe, I this is how I talk. So I might be talking to someone, I might say something and then I'm like, okay, universe, this was a joke. I literally would do that. And because this is me and I'm not ashamed of it and I truly believe in those kinds of things, people just laugh, not in a bad way, but they, it's like, oh, this is something new. And the funniest thing is then it affects positively my sister, my friends. The other day, my friend was like, like, Annie, I'm seeing like certain numbers. What is universe trying to tell me? And like, then I catch them, actually. They might not believe it immediately, but I believe in it so much that they can feel this energy. And for some reason, then they get affected. And then my sister was the other day saying, like, thank you, universe. I caught her saying that. And it just creates positive, like, almost ripple effect on them. Mm, mm. And do you find that, I mean, do you, you know, when you're working with other people, do you find you're able to sort of switch on their levels of consciousness as well? Do you think it sort of almost passes through you to them? Yes, it's, I think, active listening and almost putting yourself in their shoes, mm. imagining. And I also obviously have um, my, I have an ego. I might think like, just do this and it's easy. And then I change that thought. I always had the thought when I hear another mother screaming at their child, I'm like, why are they screaming? And then I almost have to remind myself 
there is this beautiful, I think, Pema Chodron. How, how do you say it? I don't know how to pronounce it right, but she said, every time you catch judging someone, just say, just like me. So I have to say, like, this mother is screaming at her child, just like me. And it almost, like, removes the judgment. So I still get the judgmental thoughts. I just have to let it go and try to fully see the situation from their eyes and from their perspective. And then I can have compassion and then I can guide them. Hmm. That's, that's beautiful to, to, you know, because that's the thing, like, I mean, and, and the, the ego is so evolved in some ways we can find ourselves pointing the finger and he's doing this, she's doing that. Right. And that's a mm. beautiful little add on that says just like me. Right. You know, so we accept just like me hmm. because you wouldn't that obviously we judge ourselves so much, but, you always judge someone because you think you are better than them. And when you are adding just like me, you are just on the same level. So you, why would you judge that person if you are doing the same thing? So it helps me and it is a beautiful practice that helps me to let go of the judgmental thoughts. Or sometimes I say, I'm not here to judge people. I'm here to love people. I even have a tattoo like that says to love and to be loved. I feel that is like my mission. Mm -hmm. to love and to be loved so sometimes i say i'm not here to judge them i'm here to love them if i can't love them then i have to just not say anything now obviously sometimes i get angry and i might say something that i regret but it happens less and less frequently which makes me very proud of myself because it's hard to shut your mouth and when you are triggered not to say something rude oh my god that is the hardest things which i'm not always able to achieve well what is it is it a part within you? Is it the ego for you? Or how do you see the ego? You know, that bit that wants to, to scream out and say, yeah, shut your mouth, you know, that's enough. Uh, can you describe how that works for you? Do you see it as a separate entity? Ego, I actually, I like my ego. And I know it's weird, but I don't like the notion of like, kill your ego, ego death, because I believe, and this is my belief, that ego is here for a reason. If I didn't have this I, there would not be any you. This I allows me to have this conscious personality, which differentiates me from you. And this I allows me to stay safe because if I didn't have this ego that wants to keep me safe and alive, I would just randomly go and maybe some car will hit me because I would not have this need to keep myself safe. So I love to befriend my ego and not to talk to it in a rude way, but saying like, I don't need you ego right now. Thank you so much. I need to, I need you to leave me to almost talk it like a friend and appreciate that it is there. But also what I'm trying to do, and I'm not always great at it, I want to control my ego, not the other way. Because when ego controls us, then I think what creates, that's suffering, but unpleasant experiences inside of us and then outside experiences reflects what we feel inside. Hmm. I don't know if it answered your question, but that's what is ego for me. Mm -hmm. Maybe there you need to, you can ask me other questions about ego. No, it's, it's, I think, well, first of all, it's, it seems like almost observing it as a third party, you know, you are not your ego. You are not the voice in your head. I mean, that, yes. that's useful alone, isn't it? The fact that you can separate and saying, just cause it's the voice in my head doesn't mean that that's me. Right. Exactly. I, the part of me, I feel the part of me. I cannot explain it. I cannot uh, see it. I just like, I just feel it. And when I said that I had like chills going down, I can feel that part. And when I'm in that feeling, I cannot be sad. I cannot be fearful. 
um but sometimes i forget that i'm this energetic being and i'm like sad and fearful but the real part is not logical for me it's just a feeling of eternity of me being like this part of this larger universe of me being actually life of me being in you me being in everything and ego is like separate my thoughts are separate from me and i almost have to coach myself sometimes of honey you are going through this you might not see that there's a way out but remember all these times you didn't see the way out and you thought you were going to die but you didn't die i almost have to talk out loud which i do a lot sometimes people think i'm crazy imagine someone walking and talking out loud you would think they're crazy is that useful for you to talk i mean do you well one do you talk to yourself internally or is it always outside so you can actually physically hear yourself when it gets too crowded in my head then i start to talk outside so usually i would say like 60 percent of the time i'm really good at talking to myself internally but then there are times when my thinking isn't disciplined my schedule is not disciplined so the negative thoughts get momentum because i'm not as strong or maybe i'm on my period which we all know that we are more negative and we see things worse than they are so i almost have to just understand why am I going through? Is my isn't my thinking discipline? So I have to work on my thinking. The last week I have not slept very well because of a variety of reasons, my child, whatever. And actually, yesterday I woke up so sad and anxious, and I knew like I took a three-hour nap and it didn't even help. I was so overtired. So I have to almost say, like, okay, this is where I am and which pocket needs more of my time and then give it to myself so sometimes i need to talk out loud sometimes actually i need more sleep sometimes i am hungry and that's why i'm anxious so i just need to and sometimes i cannot find the reason and i, I have to leave it alone and watch my favorite youtuber and then i feel better maybe not that day but the next day so it's just understanding where you are and then giving yourself what you need uniquely at that moment that's what i do for myself just out of interest, I mean, do you do you find yourself either more creative or more intuitive, you know, during you know during your menstrual cycles and things like that? Uh, do you do you mm -hmm. have different levels of connection or different levels of intuition? What I have found is I am my most creative. There is like four phases, which like they call it winter phase, whatever, like summer phase. So I found before I got my period, like ten days before, I have. I almost, it's a winter, it's called a winter phase for a reason. I have to reserve myself. I do not want to, I don't like to be around people. And I, I have to almost self-reflect a lot because all my problems that I think that I have dealt with are just coming out on the surface. Everything that is bothering me, like 10 days before, that's why I get a little anxious and angrier because if I don't deal with all these emotions, then it will transform itself and somehow it needs to come out. So then I will be angry. So for me, I'm not creative, but I'm self-reflecting a lot. And then around like ovulation, that's when I am my most creative. I feel like I can conquer the world. And then the winter phase comes and I, it's so hard to remind yourself that you will come out of this because when you're in that phase and for some women it's three days for some women it's like two days whatever it is it's so hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel and to accept mm -hmm. yes your vision gets it's hard to accept that you're gonna feel like you're gonna die almost and life won't go on 
for maybe two days. So it just, I have to almost, and it's a practice. Always, always remind myself, this is a phase. You don't feel that you will live this phase, but logically speaking, you have always left those dark places. And so will happen this time as well. Mm. It's, it's beautiful to be able to connect or to be aware of your own strengths, right? Because if we are more creative at certain times and not at others, I mean, it's all okay. You know, we don't have to say, well, I'm a bad person because last week I was creating masterpieces and this week, you know, all I'm doing is creating mm-hmm. arguments, you know, but it's all okay, right? It's just the natural cycle, the, the natural, you know, of the human body, the natural cycle of the universe, et cetera. And, and being exactly. okay with that, right? Exactly, exactly. And it's even understanding this much. And when I have been in tune with myself that it works, I still try to be hard on myself. I'm not going to be creative whole months. Obviously, being creative is a discipline as well. It's a habit. And if you are being creative, if you are writing every single day, you are going to be a better writer. And if you're not writing every single day, then your creativity will sometimes be just sloppy and sometimes you'll feel more creative. But as a woman, especially because we are going through so much, you have to understand that maybe like from this, I know one coach that she literally like for a week before her period or whatever her winter phase is, she doesn't do any coaching calls, anything because she is taking care of herself and that is working for herself or, or around ovulation. He does the most work because that's when she's most, most creative. And when I have done that, I actually in one week I have done way more than I have done in a month because I am listening to my, and I'm still not as good as I want to be because I still have this, Oh my God, I have to, I have to do this rather than let's choose to do whatever I need uniquely. It's also a trap. You have to understand what you need and what you want. This is two different things because you might want to eat a chocolate on breakfast. It's just random example or burger on breakfast, but you don't need that. You will don't, you aren't going to feel good afterwards your whole day. You will be sleepy. So just give yourself everything that you need maybe not everything that you want and understand your needs uniquely to that moment just break that down i mean uh, would you maybe describe wants as being egoically based you know so it's it's the ego wants this wants that what's the next thing but actually what the soul needs or what the body needs are, is just separate if i understood that correctly for you yes for me it, it's not always that way but sometimes for example today i wanted to do the work, certain work, but oh my God, like everything I was, the moment I sat down, I became anxious. I had so much, not resentment, the resistance. I had so much resistance and I was like, okay, I want to do this work, but everything inside of me is just resistant to this. So I had to stop it and listen to my body and just read a book, drink a tea, do a talk on a certain app, and I felt amazing. So we have to understand the resistance. Is it the resistance that we're going to achieve something big and everyone has told us that we're not going to achieve it and this is, is this a resistance that we have to listen or is this a resistance that we have to push through it? It's, it is very intuitive for me. Just you have to really understand how you work. And I know, for example, when my body doesn't need a workout and when I feel lazy not to work out then you learn to differentiate. And every time I'm lazy, I'm pushing, pushing myself. But every time I feel like my body really needs rest right now, 
that I'm allowing not to have a workout that day. Mm. Is that is that important for you to the, the physical the physical exertion? The you know how do you recharge, reconnect? What's your what's your mm. go-to there? Yes, for sure. I work out almost every single day. Before, I would have said that I am working out every day, but then my body got really overtired, actually. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, if there is a certain day I'm not working out, I'm just doing a really easy yoga flow. I'm still not stopping because I might, if I'm not doing anything, my whole day, like I need, I feel like I need to adjust something in my body because maybe it is used to moving. So it's very important for me. It just makes me feel so much better because I have to like myself. When I look in the mirror and I see a person there, I have to feel sexy. I have to feel beautiful because when you like yourself and whatever you see in the mirror, life gets so much easier because life can get so hard. And especially when you don't like a person that you see in the mirror, it doesn't give you the confidence. And it just gets more challenging to keep up with life challenges. Mm. Do you like yourself? Do you love yourself? I love myself. Not always. Not always. Sometimes I'm so hard to love by myself. But the majority of the time, I would say like 80% of the time, I love myself. The 20% of the time, oh my God. Sometimes I hate myself. And when I'm, I also have an anger journal. Because randomly, sometimes I get, I become so angry and I have to write down and I'm writing down, like, I hate this person. I hate this tea. I hate, 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 hate. And it always comes down to, I I hate myself because it's, we never hate others. We always hate ourselves, maybe for putting up with them, for saying yes when we wanted to say no. So sometimes I actually hate myself and then I have to become aware of it and then say like, okay. What are my options now? And then almost just like coach myself out of it. But majority of the times I love myself and some t- some percentage I'm trying to love myself. Mm. That's beautiful. I, I love that. I mean, and it's very open of you. I you know, thank you for sharing that because it's nice. You know, we don't all sit here and especially in a yoga pose mm. and go, yes, I love myself and that's it. It's like, you know, there's a sliding scale sometimes, not so much, you know, other days. Yeah, more so, right? But. But even just being tolerant of self and saying, listen, there's days I'm not going to be perfect, but that's, I'm okay with that too. I still love myself underneath. It's a bit like a child. Yeah. You're being really poorly or badly behaved as such, but I still love you. Right. So it's. Yes. I woke up so sad today. I am so sad right now. I don't even have a reason, but we don't have to like stay in bed and be sad. I can be sad and still have fun. I can be sad and still bring value to people. And then maybe tomorrow or the day after tomorrow, whenever it will leave me. And I'm still obviously trying to reflect, trying different tools. But actually, yesterday I was much sadder and today I feel less sad. So I have a progress and I'm trying to be focused on the progress. And it helps. Sometimes when I talk to a person which I really don't enjoy talking, I'm thinking, okay, in a few minutes, I'm going to stop talking to this person. And I just try to focus on the things that I like and it helps. It's just like, just joking with yourself or not taking seriously, but not um, neglecting your pain. That's different. Also like understanding that the pain is here and like it will leave just trying different things. I'm like, I have like energy cards, Oracle cards here, my like affirmations here and I'm trying different things, but I cannot force. If you break a leg, hopefully not you. If someone breaks a leg, we don't expect them to walk next day. 
So when you're going through an emotional pain, why do we expect that we're going to bounce back in like seconds? If someone is going through a heartbreak, it is literally them. It might take year or years or weeks as it is physical trauma, emotional trauma needs time too. And obviously I don't feel self-love today, but I don't feel self-hate and I'm just okay. Like as long as I'm okay, then I can just go on with my day. And I had day rarely, but I had moments when I was going through so much trauma releasing that I was feeling I was going to die. I literally thought I was going to die. But thankfully, that happens rarely. And usually I'm trying to be sad in a better way or angry in a better way, which just helps. Do, do you have um, it's almost like a code of conduct or, or a set of promises for yourself? Do you, do you have a certain standard that you like to work to? I mean, yeah, I mean, as you say, day to day, good day, bad day, whatever, define mm. it, right? But actually, overall, there's a set of commandments that you work to as a person. Do, do you do anything like that? Do you, you know, how do you like to mm-hmm. present yourself? Feeling good is my measure. If I am feeling good, and I am feeling actually really good right now, I am still sad. Sadness is still there. But another part of me feels like really peaceful. That's what I'm going to say. So as long as I'm not anxious, as long as I'm not lashing on anyone, as long as I'm not taking my anger outside on others, on my son, on my husband, which sometimes happens, and they, they don't like that. Some My husband says that she's afraid of me when I get angry. And I don't get angry a lot, like often, but when I get angry, I get really angry. So it's just, if I feel good, mm-hmm. then I feel almost, I can let myself feel enough, but I have to learn that no matter how I feel, I am still enough. That's why I wrote here, like on my hand, I am enough. And if I'm washing my dishes or doing work, I'm just reading it to just help myself learn that even if I don't do anything, because we are not born to become anyone, we are born enough. Even No matter if I achieve anything today, no matter if I'm getting angry, even if I'm screaming, I am still enough. And that's very hard actually for me. I'm still working on it too if I'm not living up to my standards to still feel enough and to still feel like a worthy person, if it makes sense. Mm. No, it's, 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 it's fascinating how, you know, you know, how we can, as you say, I mean, just accepting that no matter what good day, bad day, whatever else that those set of principles will always come into play because that is so important that actually, sometimes some days we are off track right you know and we're not sure what's going on mm-hmm. so we, you need something to reset back to otherwise you're going to be right you know you have to almost reset a whole new set of goals find a set of find a motivation get yourself going again which which requires a huge amount of effort right because you're just because you got off track for a couple of days yes and if a um for example toddler is acting out and it's their bedtime or nap time. We are, we are saying, oh, he's just sleeping. She's just sleeping. Maybe we have not slept and we're acting out. Why don't we say it about ourselves? Maybe we're just sleeping. Maybe if they are hungry and they are crying, oh, because, oh my God, I forgot her formula or whatever. She's just hungry. Maybe we're hungry too. So it's very challenging. But obviously, and I'm still young and I'm pretty sure the um, moments where my ups and downs, the time in between my ups and downs hopefully as i'm working myself actively will get shorter but i still have a lot of ups and downs and sometimes i'm like god 
like will I ever like wake up like maybe like three months is in a row every single day happy and then I'm like okay that's a too much of expectation to have and it's like I'm trying I'm not as good at it as I want to but like it, it's getting so much better and I'm getting so much better at it and oh my god it feels so much better when I'm like letting myself to be enough it's like almost like you can breathe fully so true what just out of curiosity what's uh, you know being becoming a mother what is what have you learned from that oh my god everything <laughs> everything and my child is literally my mirror our children are our mirrors he just shows me all my beautiful parts and all my challenge i'm just gonna use a good word all, all my challenging parts whatever you tell them however you act for example the other day uh, i had a realization that every time someone gives them something i was telling them just show your gratitude so say thank you didn't work but when i started to say thank you to them he started to repeat it after me everything you do say it's almost there i don't know parrots or whatever like they are repeating everything and when i thought i was an amazing person you have a child and they they show you all the parts that you have to work on so it is a very challenging challenging thing to be a parent because you just realize that every word you say every action everything has an impact and it is a huge responsibility and sometimes i just imagine that i'm running away in the woods in a house that nobody knows about and i'm just alone there and it just helps me it literally helps me sometimes i thought about can i just leave them can i just like pack my stuff and leave them maybe i'm not born to be a mother i will get those thoughts from time to time but actually it's a great opportunity it's not enjoyable opportunity but because i have a child and i'm almost lying to myself that it's like great opportunity to you have like a free coach at home that's how you have to just lie to yourself because i have a child and i'm grateful that i have a child and i still love him and he's still love of my life but there is this challenging side that we don't talk about of how hard is to be a parent because we are almost like children inside I want to go out and have fun and don't have any responsibilities. And we have to be adults and pay attention to every word. That's not fun. That is not fun. Responsibility part is not fun, but you just get the value out of it. And the love, the love that you feel for your child is just out of the world, but just have both sides. Do you think you're teaching your child? Is your child teaching you? For sure. I call him my teacher even in my book I thanked him for being the teacher of me because that's when I had the most realizations that's when I healed my childhood traumas that's when I oh my god the work that I did he inspired all the work if I have not had him I wouldn't have been able to have this deep work that I have done because I your children show yourself mm. the most I was getting I I had no anger before i had my child and then i was like oh my god i have so much anger and i have to ask why do i have this anger and until he was two not until he was two from 18 months to two i had so much anger and then i had to realize because of my suppressed emotions because of my suppressed pain from my family I have a phenomenal family, but let's be honest, I can't avoid traumatizing my child. Nobody can avoid traumatizing their children. So he is 
oh my god my teacher and he's way more energetically there with a high frequency than i am it is always amazing how kids can yeah they they can strip back any level of awareness i know with my own kids it's you know i can be mentoring i can be doing anything else and then suddenly i can leave the call and within seconds the kids can have me grounded or triggered in so many ways (laughs) always you feel like the worst person sometimes with them and i'm like oh this one is like oh that's why i like stoicism because it talks more about being your best version while living in the society because i'm a phenomenal person when i'm alone or I meet people that I'm not emotionally getting triggered to because obviously my own family members are triggering me more than some random stranger in the street. So sometimes our kids can make us feel like we're not the best people, but that's a good opportunity to use as okay. I need to work on this. They are just free coaches. Hmm. No, it's, a, it's a beautiful way of looking at it, you know, and it's, I mean, do, do you try and do that in your life is to actually see you know, the likes of there, you know, your, your child, your son, and, and then saying, well, he's coaching me. So what's the lesson here? As opposed to just saying, well, I have to do this, or my child is kicking off, or, you know, are you able to turn it around all the time and saying, what is, what's the trigger here? What's the lesson? What's the insight? What can I take away from this? What can I learn? Are you able to sort of put Sometimes. Your- mm-hmm. Majority of times afterwards. Hmm. Rarely in the moment. Because while I'm talking to you, I can feel myself. I can make sure that whatever I am saying, I am meaning. But when I'm getting triggered with my son, it's mostly when I reflect afterwards. And hopefully I will get better at stopping myself in the moment and reflecting in the moment. But this morning I was talking to him and he just started singing and he's four. I was so triggered. I was so triggered and I, I caught myself that I was triggered, but I was too much triggered to be able to listen to that inner voice. So I was like, are you just singing while I'm talking to you? And I got so mad at him. He's four. What is he going to do when he's like 14? I don't know. So I got too triggered. And then I have to, I have not still found the answer. I'm like, hmm, did I felt not enough? Is there anything? Maybe when I was a child, I was talking and somebody didn't listen to me. So I, almost had to but sometimes i get so triggered that i'm not able to work on myself in the moment and i i told him that i really don't like his behavior that's what i tell him i never tell him that i don't like what he i always tell him you're an amazing boy but your behavior i really really don't like it i really don't like how you're acting so he knows that he's a good person and his behavior is separate from his entity and i was like with a name and last name, I I say his name and last name, and I'm like, I really, really don't like your behavior right now. So I told him to leave the room because I was going to tell him some not pleasant stuff. So I, I told him to leave the room, and I almost needed to breathe. And then I was not fully peaceful, but I was able not to say all these things that I wanted to say to this four-year-old, which felt like there was this villain in front of me that wanted to do something to me that's how it feels when they are triggering to us like they are almost knowingly doing stuff to us so afterwards i can reflect not always in the process so, i mean that's a beautiful separation to, to to separate the behavior from the person which i think is, is a is, it's it's lovely to 
disassociate the two so that as you say he still knows he's you know he's a good person but just actually doing something that's you know a behavior at that particular time that's just not right mm-hmm. and sometimes i tell it to myself to my husband mm. i really don't like your behavior i really dislike your behavior it helps them every time our parents got angry at us we feel like we're bad and that's not a good feeling to have because it will last into the adulthood if you know that you are an amazing person but your behavior is not just there it makes a huge difference i mean that's also a good out for the ego because the ego doesn't like to be backed into a corner and saying you're a bad person well that's just going to retort and you know it's going to flick back as well neither are you or whatever right Mm. so whereas you say a part of you the behavior part the output part of you is not you know it's something that you don't like right now. So it's, I think that's just a clever little subtlety that I think a lot of people find useful, you know, just to be able to separate the two and, and, you know, allow people just to be. That's a great observation, but it helps you go. Mm. Yes. Because, we, because we don't like to feel that we are bad. And when we feel that somebody's telling something to us that we feel bad, we're becoming defensive and all the, unpleasant stuff comes out of our mouth but if we're like oh we're actually amazing people but our behavior isn't amazing we don't become as defensive and we can receive the feedback almost mm-hmm. no very true very true and it's yeah it's i mean it's, it's like a, a an animal that's cornered or under threat right it's gonna if you don't give it an out or an opportunity it's gonna bite it's gonna retaliate somehow you know so mm-hmm. time out of principle for you, I mean, what what would be your, your soul values or core values? To love and to be loved. That's just, I feel that I am here to love others as much as I can, to create space for them, to make them feel seen, worthy, lovable enough. And for me to feel the same, because before I thought I have to give, 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 and my cup of love became empty and I'm so ready to receive. I love to give it out as breath. We give our breath, we get our breath. Everything is a balance of giving and taking. So I feel like I'm here to love and to be loved. And however it looks like in different situations to show that love through my actions, words, or sometimes even with energy and silence, listening. Mm. It's interesting to have, you know, to have a, an external aspect to be loved in return. It's a, that's, that's a, you know, it's quite a unique, which I think is quite special actually as well, because you know, we always are all outputs. A lot of people, their, their values be, you know, love and mm. joy, connection, mm. service, et cetera, all output based, but to measure the input mm. as well is why, 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 is there a particular reason why you've chosen that? It just fulfills me. It feels like I'm in balance when I'm accepting love. Sometimes I just say to the universe, you know what? I need extra love today. So send me more love. And I'm ordering a juice from a juice bar and there is beautiful note, beautiful hearts on the package. Uh, there is like heart shaped stone. Somebody treats me extra. Like they do something the other day, for example, my mom never comes to my apartment because she is very, respectful of my space so i see her we live next in the next to each other in two buildings so she always allows me to come to her whenever i need it and she just came she took my son she was like i'm just gonna have max today 
So that was universe sending me extra love. And I needed that. I needed this space. I needed to belong because my son Max was with me all day. Randomly, she just came. I had so a lot of hearts. And that's how I got love. Sometimes I might get a hug, random hug from my husband because I need love that day. We are relational beings. Mm. We need each other. We just need to find people who trigger the best parts of ourselves. Mm. There is one of my guests said something so beautiful. I don't remember in which tribe. When some one of the members of the tribe make a mistake, mm. all the almost tribe stops to do anything. And they collectively remind this person of all the good that this person has done when they make mistake. Imagine if you are your worst self and your wife or your friends are like, you have done this, you have done, you are a good person. Imagine, oh my God, I have chills. It will be so healing. So that's why we need to surround ourselves with the right people because right people make us feel enough and seen not to, it, it can also be a trap to always feeling like you're the best person. No, still be aware of your flaws, but be with the people who just help you go through it, not making you feel like you're not enough. Mm. Mm. It's, yeah, so it is so powerful. It's, it's acceptance of self, isn't it? I mean, that, that's what I'm getting there. It's that being tolerant of yourself to be perfectly imperfect and be okay with that as opposed to I'm imperfect and that's not okay. Yes. When I'm angry, I'm very loud. When my husband is angry, he's very quiet. Before he used to say, you are very loud. And I would say like, I'm not loud. You have done this. So of course I am loud. I am loud. I have to, I had to expect, accept that, that I am loud when I get angry. Hmm. I'm, I'm emotional talker when I get angry. But also I have to say that because I'm an emotional talker, when I get angry, I'm an emotional lover. I'm an emotional friend. So it's you cannot have a person who can be very emotional and loving. And also like emotions, if you have a good emotions, then you have challenging emotions. But my husband, he's a quiet person as well. Like he doesn't show much of his emotion, doesn't show his anger, which is not bad. It's you know, different for everyone. So I'm, I'm almost saying to him, you love how loving I am. So you have to just put up with, obviously I'm not saying that it's right, but when I cannot control myself, sometimes I can, but when I cannot control myself, I'm trying to accept that, yes, I am very loud when I get angry. And that's what is very connected to what you just said. Yes, it is a self-acceptance. Maybe we're loud. Maybe some people are lazy. Maybe some people are jealous. But when you accept that, and only when you accept that, then you can work on improving that part of yourself what is your long love language do you know yes before that is very interesting it used to be i think it was uh, what is it called action or um mm -hmm. what is the name like okay. act of service act of service yes service, yeah. but then i did the women's self-defense course which i can share more and after that, my love language is physical touch. Well, yes, it has changed. Why do you know? Oh, for sure. When I did the woman's self-defense course, long story short, the last day was to almost showcase and use all everything that we learned. And I was fighting with this huge guy, which had, I don't know when they put stuff gear, all geared up and I'm tiny. I'm not like, I'm not big. I'm like five foot four. 
and like maybe like 110 pounds. So I'm fighting with this huge guy who is all geared up. I have never, it was just three minutes. It felt like eternity. It felt like 30 minutes. I have never been that exhausted in my whole life when my all of my energy, that's when I felt like, oh, this is how being tired feels like. And I was so exhausted. I just needed to hug the coach. And the girl, actually, because she was a coach, you cannot find a feminine uh, coach. So she was very like weirded out, but I needed to hug her. And the energy I felt from this person with the hug, it just switched in my mind. And for some reason, I get so much fulfillment and energy from a physical touch that right now it's still an act of service became secondary, but physical touch. And I ate, I wasn't eating meat. I ate the jerky. We had our friend visiting and he bought like beef jerky. I ate like two packages of it because my body needed the protein and my body needed the meat. And I ate a huge meal. I don't know how on earth did I eat it. That was one of the most exhausting days that I ever felt. One of the most exhausting three minutes. And I felt, I went first. I was like, who's going to be first? I'm going to be, I was like me. And I had no idea what I, what was to come to prepare my mind. So it was extra challenging for my mind and body. Because when you see what's happening, you can almost prepare yourself. And I had no idea what was about to come. So that's very interesting how we get so much energy from each other and from humans. It is interesting because you use a lot of kinesthetic language, you know, a lot of, you know, it's the feel, it's the touch, it's, you know, it's all that, which, you know, so that would make sense that, you know, the, the act of service and, and, but also the physical side that would be preferable to mm. make sense. Yes. Yes. It makes sense. The other day, my husband was like saying something to me and I was like, you don't know, just take out the trash. I was like, do something around the house and I will, want to like give you so much presence because it's still like act of service still is my secondary love language so i i need almost a need we all have need of love and presence and feeling worthy but both are so important for me act of service and also physical touch it almost charges me like a battery i don't know like it gives me energy hmm. and and to go the other way to ground how do how do you ground or do you you know nature 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 i'm not a water person maybe because of my sign i'm a virgo and it's an earth sign because my husband but he's a fire sign as well i don't know my son he's cancer so he's water sign they love 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 water i don't know how to swim but i thought that was the case i just don't get relaxed in the water but like looking out in nature looking at the trees green and walking in the nature just makes me feel connected to the larger universe and that just grounds me so nature and ground walking on the ground is just my thing barefoot or just walking around i have done barefoot as well but it hasn't made a huge difference for me mm -hmm. i feel more here rather than through my feet mm -hmm. i feel more through my throat and through like this area more like heart and mind mind is a big thing for me if i allow my mind uh, to be quiet and let my body to feel it, then I can just feel the energy of it. And I feel clear. I feel love. Um, 
I just feel more like myself, my true self, if it makes sense. More like this part of me that I mentioned that I don't know, but I feel. Mm. I can feel that part comes more forward. And I'm almost like becoming that part. And we're just being, not becoming or doing anything, just being. Do you, for you, that, that, um, part i mean how, how do you really cherish those moments that sort of that connection of you know just being i mean is it a is it you know the likes of yoga or meditation through that or just physically being in you know a, a grounding place or a forest or whatever else it is i mean how do you really sort of nurture those moments sometimes it's just momentary like few seconds and it happens different moments and i'm like being present and feeling everything and i'm just so grateful i sometimes want to cry because i feel the like happiness is overflowing me but it's like for a few seconds and then obviously i still feel good but this feeling of i'm gonna cry now because i feel so happy it just lasts for a few seconds and it happens for different moments for example i uh, go to the church almost every day i try to go every day and i just say thank you and sometimes not always while I'm saying just thank you and feeling this deep gratitude, I am so full of joy that I am like pure happiness. Almost, I'm not feeling happy. I am the happiness. So it can happen different times. And if I have created a lot of space in me and I have taken a good care of me, it happens more often. So that's why I like creating space for me to be with myself without distraction helps me a lot. And reading a book, is not a big distraction for me. It still allows me to think. If I'm listening to something, writing, it just does not count for me as creating a lot of space. Writing, it's it's still an outlet. Reading or just like simply sitting on the couch or lying, laying in bed and just thinking or not thinking just allows me to be more connected and then to feel that joy, joyful moment. Mm. It's beautiful. Talk to us about your book. So, I couldn't hear the question. So your book, talk to us about your book. What was your intention? Okay. What was it all about? So, I mean, Back to Yourself is the title, obviously, there. Mm. Um, yes. The intention, as I said, I didn't have the intention while I was writing. It was more like, oh, I'm writing. Uh, the idea came to me when I was listening to one of the coaches and she said, if you have a little tiny what ifs, maybe what if I can write a book? What if I can become a yoga teacher? What if, what if? Listen to those what ifs because they are your guidance. And beforehand I had the thought of, what if I can write a book? I was like, you cannot write a book. Like, well, you don't have anything to say. I was like, okay, I'm gonna start writing a book. And then while I was writing the book, I did my yoga teacher training, 200 hour yoga teacher training, which was so mentally draining and physically draining that I couldn't do yoga for a year, like regular yoga. Then I moved to Hawaii. We sold everything and bought a van and lived in a van for eight months. So through this process, I even at some point, we lived in a one bedroom apartment and while my son was sleeping, I was writing it from the toilet. I had a little chair and the table in the restroom because he was sleeping in another room. And I, oh my God, because his schedule was off, I was not going to, because there was a huge time difference between Kansas City when we, from where we moved and Hawaii, just like six hours or something. 
So I was writing it from the restroom and then I finished it in different libraries because we lived in the van. So it just evolved and became this beautiful thing of itself, which when I was like, who am I to publish a book? I wrote, I read this beautiful quote from Mother Teresa, which I don't exactly remember how it is, but in my own words, we all think that what we do is a drop in the ocean, but the ocean wouldn't be the same without that missing drop. So I was, this is my contribution. This is my take. This is my perception. This is what I learned through the life. And then I just published it. And I, whoever read it, I got an amazing feedback, which I was like, oh my God, people just like it. I was like, okay, okay. And then I was like, oh, maybe they are just my friend. And when I got feedback from who are not as close to me, maybe, maybe, just maybe it is a good book. And, you know, we all have those moments of like, who am I to guide anyone or who am I to write the book? But thankfully, thankfully, I pushed through it and it's out. I burst it and maybe whoever wants to read it, they can read it and enjoy it. Mm. Is there more, do you think? More books? More creations? I actually started writing a book, but I had to stop because it is a um, not a full-time job, but the way I wanted to write, I need to prioritize writing a book, which I'm not going to do it right now because it is not a priority for me at this moment to prioritize writing a book. My priority is my podcast because I feel this is right. And when I will have this feeling of, okay, now it's time to nourish this book, then I will listen to my intuition. But right now I have actually stopped doing everything, but I'm fully focused on growing my podcast and truly giving it my full love and attention because that's how I feel I should act today. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but today that's where my most focus goes. What is it about podcasting for you? I mean, is it, is it the, the intimate talking one-to-one? Is it the, the reflection time or what, what just appeals to you about it? I cannot explain it logically with the words, but it feels like I'm fulfilling my purpose. I don't know which part of it is. For sure, not the uploading and finding the right titles and those stuff. But while I am connecting to these people, it just feels right. It just feels this is what I I should be doing at this very second. And it has saved me for so many times when I was going through emotions. I was like, okay, these are my people. I'm responsible for them. I look at my guests like my people. Like, I feel like they are just my members, my family members, my community, and I feel responsibility towards them. So this almost having this responsibility and putting someone else in, uh, well, maybe I'm going through a challenging day and I want to cancel everything and I'm like, I'm responsible for this person's time. Then sometimes go leaving myself and, prioritizing others have helped me to just feel good and i always feel good afterwards i always feel good afterwards when i'm talking to the people mm. but again it feels like this is what i should be doing at this very second that's great though i mean to to, to sort of spend that time creating and as you say it ha- it's an act of service as well but as you said it's, it's also it's a beautiful opportunity to speak to somebody about their passion their journey their beliefs right you know it's mm. 
Yes, I learned so much. I'm a very curious person, which wasn't always the case. There was a time in my life when I had no hobbies and no interests because I was so disconnected from myself. But as I uncovered myself, I'm actually a very curious person. I'm interested about everything, about everything, literally everything about cars, about guns, because you can learn. I always learn something that I can apply to my work, not work, work, but to the creative work that I'm doing, the lessons or some concept that I can use, a realization that I can almost apply to what I'm writing about. So I love to learn from these people who have so much to offer. And this year, my word, I'm trying to learn from others' mistakes rather than mine. So it's a great opportunity to ask people and pick their brain about their mistakes so I can learn from them. What, I mean, it's interesting, you know, that to actually take that time and reflect, um, you know, learn those mistakes. Uh, I don't know. I, f- I find it, it's, it's interesting. It's, you know, you, you almost, um, yeah, taking the time to see, see ourselves. I don't know that we ever do that, you know, reflecting who we are and what we are and, and where we're going. I mean, is, do you, do you, I suppose in for the future, for your goals and things like that, do you take a lot of time to think about the future and what you want to create and visualize? Is that a big part of what you do as well? I, that's a big part of it, but what I need to work on is to write about the short-term goals that I, which will allow me to achieve my long-term goals. I'm really good at seeing my long-term goals, but I'm not good yet about strategizing. And actually we need balance the taking action like being and becoming we need to balance it out so that's why i took a full like my attention on the podcast because i need to make it what i want to make but i need to spend strategize it and plan it not attached to my expectations but almost like write down how am i going to achieve what i want to achieve because i wasn't really good at it and that is something i'm trying to become better at also focusing on the short-term goals that I need to achieve, which will allow me to have my dreams come true, my visualizations to become true, because action is a big part. And also what you mentioned before, we are self-reflecting naturally if we are creating space. Because if you are slowing down, you are naturally having time and ability. You have space to almost as you go reflect on yourself, but if we have really busy schedules, then we don't have time to reflect on ourselves. So we have to schedule time to reflect and understand ourselves. So that's why slowing down helps me because it just naturally happens. And I have the ability to, as I'm going and living, to also become self-aware. Where where do you think you can be most of service to the universe, to people, to, to other people? I mean, where... Where is your your niche, if you like, um, um, you know, at this time? I haven't found it yet. I always, I have to stop using the word always. I don't like when I use the word always. Often I feel like, what is my biggest, bigger, you know, like bigger purpose, this place I have to achieve. And then I have this quote, not here, but in other rooms that says, nobody, none of us have achieved. We are still arriving. So I don't know where my not end place but where whatever you ask like the bigger 
where am I most used by the universe? But I know these small steps will allow me and allow universe to use me because that's how I see God is using me through me. He's helping others and I can create space and allow the universe and their energy. I can raise my energy higher to be the energetical match of the universe's energy for it to allow to show itself and its energy to be the manifestation of God and its love. Mm. So I have not found my niche. I don't know if I will, I will ever find my niche. I tried to find my niche, but one of my coaches told me, you don't find your niche, your niche finds you. And I feel that is so true. So maybe one day, next time we talk, my niche will find me. But I don't have any niche right now. Maybe in two weeks, maybe in two years, maybe never. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows, right? You know, but I love the fact that you, regardless, you are taking actions. I mean, that in itself will allow you to, you know, through the podcast, through the book, through, you know, actively learning, seeking, speaking, you know, doing mm -hmm. all those things that, you're certainly stacking the odds in your in your in your favor. So I trust the universe. That's what helps me. I I'm often saying that I don't know why this podcast. Why am I doing this podcast? But it just feels right. It just feels like you have a reason for putting me in this place because I have tried different things and they don't work out. And I started podcast and it works out. So I know it feels right. I don't know why, but I will see. I just have trust. I don't, I sometimes fall out of that trust and I want to stop doing everything and I don't find any purpose and meaning. And as I said, I want to run in the woods. <laughs> then I come back to this purpose of, okay, I don't know why is this happening, but I trust you, which just helps me to keep going. Uh, I'm curious, before you talked about, you know, you used to be disconnected and now you have this, you know, this fire, this, this curiosity almost to keep going. What caused the change? What caused the, you know, the disconnection to become a connection, the, you know, the sort of the not interested to, you know, an insatiable hunger, this sort of curiosity that drives you? Practice. I became aware of my disconnection and what I unconsciously, and I wasn't like consciously doing it, but looking back, I can name it. I started to ask people in the stores when I was buying something because I was home at state mom. And when I was in the US, I was on an F2 visa, which is student's spouse visa. And you cannot work and you cannot, like you can still be a coach, you can still do a yoga teaching, but you can legally work, you can't legally study. So I was just home at state mom and only my place was like going outside in the stores. So I started to ask people how they are and how they are feeling. And at first I wasn't actually curious. I, well, I didn't even care, but I started to do that. And for some weird reason, and I started to do it because I was so unhappy that I was like, oh my God, if I am feeling this way, and if other people are feeling this way too, I want to make them feel loved. I don't want anyone to feel this way. And I'm almost going to cry because when you are feeling unhappy, you can do two things, make other people feel unhappy. Or for some reason, I had this urge. It was not a conscious decision. I was like, oh my God, I don't want anyone to feel this way because I wanted to make them feel seen. I started to ask them how they are. And for some weird reason, I be, it actually became my part of me. And I became very, I caught myself asking them and being curious, 
of how they did, how their day actually went of waiting for that answer patiently and I was I really wanted to know so I almost trained myself unconsciously and I almost like triggered my curiosity and then it grew and it grew and then I nurtured it I almost forced myself to ask questions and then when you know so much information and you're like oh my god that's so interesting you want to know more and more it just allows you to be more curious and I also told myself, I'm a very curious person. I'm a very curious person. And at some point I believed my own life. So I became a curious person. Were you curious as a child? Oh my God, yes. My mom said, every time we, for example, entered a train or a bus, when I was leaving, everyone was like, bye, Annie. I was so social, which still I am. And I was so curious. She was like, the moment you were born and started asking the why questions, you have never stopped. She, that's what she says. I was a very active, curious child. But through my teenage years, from 13 to 19, almost 20, I was so disconnected. And that's a common age for girls, for boys to get disconnected because that's when a lot of things hit you. So I got very disconnected. But as a child, yes, I was a very, very curious child. Why Why the disconnection out of curiosity? Why do you think? I, I didn't feel seen in school at home. Um, my, I was raised by my grandmother who she is, she is like, imagine raising your own children and raising another set of children. She, because my mom left in Ireland. Mm-hmm. There was no opportunities in Georgia back then. There are not much opportunities now. And back then, like 15 years ago, there was not much opportunity. So I haven't seen my mom actually for 10 years of my life because she was in Ireland and wasn't able to come back. And with my grandmother, she did the best that she could, but I didn't feel seen by her or validated. So it, and I didn't feel the same way in school. So it, um, just I dissociated for myself almost not to feel the pain and obviously my pain was so much I'm so much luckier than what some people have to go through with their parents and their families not to minimize my pain but to stay grateful for my pain that I was just not validating or seeing but she was doing everything that she was thinking it was right but there was this extra love that I needed is a need every child has a different need i can see no matter how much i'm doing for my son if i'm not giving him what he needs he's not loving towards me even in this tiny age but when i'm giving him what he needs rather than what i want to give him he's telling me how much he loves me he's open and he's just so much happier and she did the best she could as i'm saying like she had the life she could write a book about her and i had so much anger towards her I knew she did her best, but I still had anger, which I had to work. And I still sometimes get triggered by her. It doesn't mean that because you are grateful for your parents, you won't have anger. It's okay to have those anger because that's a trauma we need to heal. But they just, they just how it works for me. <laughs> it's- I mean, there's, a, there's an amazing lesson there, isn't it? How we can carry these trapped emotions. We can carry all these things mm. through our entire life. We can think we've worked it through, but yet it still sort of mm. holds on to us in some ways. 
yes, I still get angry at her. I know that she's doing the best she can. I know how much she loves me. But that is a trigger for me. That is a trigger for my child self, for my inner child. And if I'm not accepting that, then I'm not seeing myself. Mm. And my inner child has gotten so much, so many times that it was not seen. I don't need to add on that. So I'm like, okay, maybe because I cannot talk to her, I'm going to message her. So this time I chose to just text her because this past week I'm triggered by her. I know that she's an amazing person. I know she's doing the best she can, but I'm like, I'm just going to not talk to her. And I wouldn't allow myself to do that before. I would have been like, she's your grandmother. She raised you. You have to be a certain way. No, I am triggered, but I still have responsibility towards her. As our parents have responsibility towards us, we have responsibility towards our parents. So I'm going to do everything that she needs, but I'm not going to go to her every evening as I used to or call her. I'm just going to text her, send her a voice message or message her. And I'm going to allow myself to kill this emotion or trigger that I'm going through, which is a huge, huge achievement for me. I'm, I'm actually very proud of myself that this time I managed to do that because this is first time, first time that I managed to um, not say whatever I'm feeling, like almost confront her, but give her what he, she needs, but also give myself what I need, which feels so much better and just confronting and arguing with people and trying to prove your point and explaining them why they traumatized you and how they traumatized you. They cannot understand it. They cannot understand it. Mm. It's beautiful. I suppose I'm just even reflecting back on the, you know, your own book title there, you know, and it is sort of, it's almost going back to find your true self to, to, you know, to sort of, not necessarily right any wrongs, but certainly to be aware of any things or any trapped emotions, any trauma, any frustrations, anything that sort of still has energy attached to it. Taking mm. the time to do that is in itself is reconnecting to self. It's, it's freeing of self. It's freeing up all those emotions and they're hard conversations, you know, really hard conversations because, you know, um, some one person's choice this has an impact on you. So, there's, there's a physical mm -hmm. uh, there's a physical impli implication but there's also there's an emotional implication and they may be two separate things so yes and i try to have those hard conversations and for my mother she understands it she understands where i'm coming from for my grandmother she physically could not understand my point she thinks i'm weird she still loves me but she she thinks i'm weird because and it's in her imagine nobody's like that in her world and I'm here coming like, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to uh, say that person is bad. I'm trying not to say anything bad about people because that just makes me like themselves, like them. I'm not any good. If the other day a random girl was with a boy, they were just, they were not in a deep relationship. But this girl is complaining and complaining about some other girl. And at some point this boy was like, okay, maybe that's a, like problem only girls experience because he was just like tired and i wanted to judge this girl so much i wanted to tell my husband because it was i was trying to work and she was next to me which was just my flow not good for my workflow and i was like if i'm gonna say anything about this girl am i not the same she's talking about some other girl and i'm gonna talk about her so what makes me different 
I am literally a little bit, it was so hard to shut my mouth and not to say anything, not to judge that woman out loud and to let go of the judgmental thoughts in my mind. Because I caught myself, oh my God, I am the same. If I'm going to judge her, she's judging someone else. Like we're just same. So like, just like me always works. Mm. It's like, try, like, you, you can just say just like me and she doesn't understand it. So what I can do is give myself time to heal enough so I can create space for her. And I can love her and give the nurturing and love, which she never got, she never gave me. And to accept her fully, I'm not able to do this right now. I need to heal and let go of so many things to give her full love, which I am accepting her with her flaws. That's all we need to be accepted fully. Mm. So at some point, I will be able to give it to her, which will almost nurture my inner child. Because when you have space and this much space to give someone else the full acceptance, it means you have given it to yourself. And I haven't given it full acceptance to myself. So I'm not able, I don't have that skill and space to give someone else that acceptance. It's, I suppose, I'm, I'm, as, as you say there, you know, it's, it's almost... These are all versions of, you know, the five stages of grief in many ways, but just in a different way. But it, it's, you know, it's it's denial, it's anger, it's frustration, it's confusion. And then it's ultimately it's this acceptance and then this forgiveness. And I mean, I love your frankness there that actually t- that there's there's still energy to be processed to accept. And then maybe there is another step that says you forgive or you then own it and you say, well, actually, you know, you share it with love and you just say, well, it is what it is. That's it, right? Mm. Yes. Hopefully, hopefully I can achieve that state. Maybe if I'm actively working on it or giving myself what I need, I can have that space. But I like to be open about what I'm going. So not in a negative way, but we are humans. We all go through these challenges and we're almost ashamed to talk about this maybe uh, resentment some mothers feel toward their children because they feel trapped resentment sometimes we feel towards our partners or family members and it's never about them it's always about us it's always about something we are going through and it's okay it is okay to be human we are humans nobody has it all figured it out but we can help each other every time someone has said something like this i'm like oh they are going through it too maybe i'm not alone and then it helps me to give myself compassion and feel like I'm not a bad person. I'm just a human. So I want always to make people feel like they are just humans and to inspire them that yes, they might not be able to stop being jealous or whatever it is towards others, but it's okay. Like we all feel different kinds of emotions and it's okay. We are just humans. Imagine if we all gave each other space to be human you're thinking like, oh, he's acting out because he's just human. Like we would be so much more accepted and loving towards each other. It's just like a dream world. We would be rich, right? You'd be intuitively rich at that. <laughs> yeah. You know, just listening to each other and just being rich in thought, rich in emotion, rich in beliefs and understanding. Mm-hmm. You just just would be so powerful. Yes. It is very powerful. There will be more love, less wars, less hate. 
And maybe, maybe, maybe we can just achieve that in our tiny communities and then it can spread and create the ripple effect as we were talking before. Mm-hmm. So tell me, what's, what's a bit of a guilty pleasure for you? You can take the guilt away if you wish, I don't mind. Mm. Guilty pleasure, what is my guilty pleasure? Mm-hmm. Taking time to rest and allowing myself to not to do anything, it's almost like a guilty pleasure for me. Because it's like, when I do it and I watch a movie, the other day I watched a movie. You know how, I get this it was years since I allowed myself to watch a movie. I was like, hmm, it feels so good to do nothing and like be in my pajamas and like, oh my God, I felt like a rebel. Literally, I felt like a rebel because I was so hard on myself when I still am. I know so much. I'm asking for myself to use all the tools and tips and advices or knowledge all the time. And when I'm like just like watching a movie in my pajamas, maybe not making a bed. I don't know. I still make my bed every day, but it's like not doing anything and watching a movie or just something that makes me feel good. Obviously, like scrolling through the Instagram whole day will make me feel so tired. But watching a good like romantic movie and then crying and then feeling all the emotions they are feeling, it can be my guilty pleasure, maybe. I love it. I love it. You know, just taking the time for self. Tell me, what's... What is your fire in your belly? I mean, if you were to try and describe it in a few words, what what does it mean to you? Fire in the belly. A few things came into my mind, and I'm going to say it out loud, and I'm going to maybe find the answer as I'm talking. One thing that came to my mind is being in love and having this relationship in my life, the man that basically being in love and having this relationship because we might be in love and not be with the person that we love. So that's just weird, but it came to my mind. And then connection to God, mm-hmm. that's the two things that come to my mind because fire in my belly, I imagined it like connected to my core and like the, my chakra has been open and overflowing and flowing. So what gives me that feeling is just, having this love in my life, which I can have the outlet for my, not to receive love, but to just love someone mm-hmm. and be with that person. And then what gives me that feeling of my fire and the belly being like ignited, just the connection of God. It just my take on fire in the belly. It might be different for everyone, but it's just like my chakras are full and all like flowing, energy is flowing freely. Yeah, it's beautiful. Beautiful. Just yeah, love and connection. It's 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 a lot. But tell us how do people get a hold of you, reach you, track you down, find out more? People can reach me. They just can go at anireach.com, A-N-I-R-I-C-H dot com. And I have every every everything about me. That everything tiny tiny bits of information about me they can listen to my podcast which is called intuitively rich and it's almost on all platforms um apple podcast google podcast spotify or they can find the link on my website also on instagram intuitively rich as well 
And I love one of my friends was just like, talk to Annie. He loves to talk to people. He loves to talk to everyone. And that is so true. He had an excellent observation. I love to talk to people. So just send me any questions, just share maybe what you took from this conversation. Uh, and also, please, please support this podcast because you are doing an amazing job. And I'm enjoying this conversation so much. And I have enjoyed this conversation so much. You are you have a good ability to create space for people and you have very good questions. You trigger good thinking in people. So I would really encourage people to also follow, rate and review this podcast and give this podcast a five star because it deserves it Thanks. right now. Do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Listen, I appreciate you. And, and is there, is there a final, final message you'd like to leave with our listeners? Yes. Be your own friend. We are such an amazing friends for our family members and friends. You know what, right? I have tiny notes for myself. There's this card that says you are beautiful. And every time I, when I'm going to leave this room, I'm going to see that note. I have the book titles that one of the book titles, you are a badass. And I have it in front. So I see it. I have unstoppable me, the book. I have these little messages around me. And be your own best friend. When your friend is going through a challenging time, what are you doing? Like, do you want to hug? You will bring some sweets. You will bring some food. You will snuggle with them. Do the same thing for you and be your own best friend. And do the little things for yourself. The notes, the chocolates, the whatever you want. Just befriend yourself. Mm, beautiful. Beautiful. And it's been an absolute pleasure. You're full of beautiful information and experiences and love and connection. So I thank you for being here. I thank you for sharing with us. And uh, yeah, I mean, listen, your your podcast is there for people to follow also. So it's intuitively rich and, you know, there and back to yourself is the book to find on Amazon and all good, good stories. Yes. Thank you for being you. And listen, I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for creating this beautiful space for me. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without our great guests taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly and be the mightiest version of you.